day 204. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. We're still in the last days of the southern kingdom, right? Amidst the prophecies of my man, Jeremiah. Remember this section are the last days of Judah, and it's primarily a narrative more than more than it is uh, oracles and prophecies. <clears throat> so here <clears throat> in 37, it comes on the hills of 36, right? 36, my man Jehoiakim was wild, right? He he burned God's word in the fire. You talk about securing God's judgment. Uh, uh, he was burning God's word. And here the setting is 18 years later, right? And Zedekiah is on the throne. So he's the last king. Babylon is well into the siege of Jerusalem. And Zedekiah realizes what's going on. And he asks Jeremiah to intercede before the Lord on the people's behalf. However, what we find is that Egypt, hear this, and I'm going to circle back and explain why. We find that Egypt had left their town to actually come and help judah fight babylon so what happens babylon gets word and they go take care of pharaoh right and send the folks of egypt backpacking to their town right and this is what the text says the chaldeans will then return and fight against this city (laughs) they will capture it and burn it this is what the lord says don't deceive yourselves by saying the chaldeans will leave us for good for they will not leave in other words what happened judah thought that Egypt would lead them to be victorious in this fight with Babylon, right? So they called on political, a political ally, political help, right? For this battle, like, yo, we got this joint going on. I need y'all's help. So they call out to Egypt and Babylon washes Egypt and them, (laughs) right? And they thought, listen, what they thought was that they would be a functional savior, of sorts, right? And the thing that the text wants to show us, listen, is that our functional saviors, as promising as they may seem, never come through like we hope, right? They never come through like we hope. And the problem here for Judah is not political, right? The problem is inherently spiritual. And meanwhile, all this is going on. Jeremiah gets beaten and he's thrown into prison, right? Because it seems as if he is committing treason, right? It seems as if he is against his people. He is, when he is simply proclaiming the word of the Lord for his people, right? And after this, you know, in prison, whole nine yards, uh, Zedekiah comes to him again and he's like, yo, is there a word from the Lord? (laughs) And Jeremiah gives to him the same word he's been given to them, right? He's like, no, no, the king and the rest of the kingdom will be handed over to the Babylonian kingdom. And the irony, man, is that Zedekiah keeps coming to the prophet for a word from the Lord, but he won't heed, H-E-E-D, the word of the Lord, right? He he, he hears it, but he won't heed it, right? And um, I think the text wants to show us as well, man, is that there's no use of the continual seeking of the prophet if you don't submit to the words of the prophet right when it comes to the word of god god doesn't just want us to listen but he wants submission right and it's interesting too man because at the end jeremiah's gonna say something profound because like the word has has proved itself authoritative and trustworthy right in verse 19 jeremiah's like fam no 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 like 
help me understand, big bro. Like, where are where are all the prophets <laughs> that prophesied that the Babylonian siege wouldn't come? All the words that you were listening to, all the words that you were basing your life on, all the words that you were putting your hope in. Wh what's up? Where's the fruit of those words? Right? They've proven themselves liars. But my word has proven true. Everything that I said would happen has happened. And the same thing stands before us today. There's somebody somewhere using their words to try and influence you on, way, on how to live. And God is saying, no, no, my words have proved authoritative. I said Jesus would come and he came. I said that he would die and he died. I said that he would rise and he rose. I said that I would build a church and I built it. God is saying, no, no, my words have proven authoritative. So these are the only words you should build your life. Um, 38 comes. We're told of a conversation between Zedekiah and Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah is meanwhile preaching the same message. Once again, he's preaching the same message. He ain't switched up. Whoever stays in the city will die by the sword. Famine and plague, right? It's a rat. It's a, it's a fact. But whoever surrenders to the Chaldeans will live. He will retain uh, his life like the spoils of war and will live. This is what the Lord says. This city will not, will most certainly be handed over to the king of Babylon's army and he will capture it. Once again, the message that Jeremiah seems to be speaking seems to be pro-Babylonian. It seems like he's for them, but he's really pro-Yahweh, right? Jeremiah knows that the Lord's purposes don't happen apart from suffering, right? And because of this, because he is faithful and he's standing on the word, chief, he gets thrown into a cistern, right, by the royal officials of King Zedekiah's house. Now, interestingly enough, after this, a cat named Ebed, Melech, right, is literally a transliteration of a servant of Yahweh, right? That's literally the Hebrew for servant of, or excuse me, a servant of the king, uh, Ebed Melech, right? So he's this Cushite who stands against and bucks against the status quo in the Judean kingdom, and he rescued Jeremiah and saves his life, right? He saves Jeremiah's life. This Cushite cat comes and saves Jeremiah's life out of this system so he doesn't die, or else Jeremiah would have died. And he comes out, Zedekiah pulls him to the side and basically asks, did anything change? And Jeremiah's like, in, oh, bruh, no, <laughs> right? Surrender to the Babylonian kingdom. And I think we learn a few things, man. Listen, regardless of the persecution or rejection because of God's word, it doesn't mean we stop speaking God's word, right? We don't stop speaking it, right? And the courageous God glorifying thing to do in such a situation is to stand 10 toes down and remain consistent with speaking the truth and allowing to come what may. Now, it's interesting that Ebed Melech is a foreigner, right? So, so a foreigner treats Jeremiah better than his own people treat him, right? You see the irony here, right? A foreigner, listen, has more spiritual sensitivity, is more spiritually in touch with the Lord and his ways, then Judah, then Judah, right? And this should, this, should, this should mess with us, right? I think the text is trying to mess with us, and it should, because, man, it, you, you'd be surprised on who the Lord uses, right, in his kingdom uh, to bring about his purposes. 39 comes, and the moment that Jeremiah has been prophesying about, lo and behold, finally, ultimately, climactically comes to pass. 586, Nebuchadnezzar and his armies siege and destroy Jerusalem, right? And this is such an important moment in scripture and such a turning point in scripture, uh, such a turning point in the history of redemption, right? That it is recorded four times in the Bible, twice in this book. And uh, it, it mentions this in verse four. Listen to the language of the book. It says, uh, when, when, when King Zedekiah um, of Judah and all the fighting men saw them, 
talking about Babylon. They fled. They left the city at night by way of the king's garden through the city gate between the two walls. They left along the route to the Arabah. However, the Chaldean army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. They arrested him and brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon's king at Ribla in the land of Hamath. The king passed sentence on him there. So the story basically has echoes of the Exodus. So um, I love it because once again, the Bible uses earlier portions of the Bible to get its message across. Right. And it, it echoes the Exodus, but it echoes the Exodus as a type of reverse Exodus. What happens is this in Egypt. Remember Exodus in Egypt, the people of God come up against this foreign power. And when it's time to flee, they flee. Right. God provides a route and they go through the Red Sea. And when the Egyptians come after them, they drown. Right here, though, Zedekiah and his armies are resisting, come up against this foreign power and they flee. And now the folks that get caught in the thicket of God's judgment is not the foreigners, but the natives. So you see a reversal here as well, right? But not 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 Israel, but or not Babylon, but Judah, right? And Nebuchadnezzar initially recognizes, uh, interestingly enough, Jeremiah. And what happens is this: he then says, uh, "That cat right there, Jeremiah, he's good. He can stay, right? He doesn't have to go off into Babylon like the rest of the people, right?" Through one of his servants, he says, "This take him and look after him." Don't do him any harm, but do for him whatever he says. So Jeremiah and some of the poor people of the land get to actually stay in the land. Many people don't realize this, right? All of uh, Judah didn't go. Some of the poor of the land got to stay along with Jeremiah. And check it. What do we have? We have foreigners once again treating Jeremiah better than his own people does, right? So we had Ebed-Melech before uh, who brought uh, Jeremiah out of a sister, and he's a Cushite. He's not an Israelite. And then we have the king of Babylon even looking out for Jeremiah here, right? And so you just see that the Lord in his sovereignty, fam, is going to get his job done. He going to get the job done. Listen, God is going to accomplish his purposes on earth regardless of, of who we got to use to do it. It Like, God is going to do it, fam. And, and he usually does it in the most unlikely surprising uh the least expected way right and i think we we shouldn't discount who the lord is using in our lives as well and the text shows us it's not always who we think now he's turned over to gedaliah gedaliah his name means uh yahweh is great um and he becomes governor of jerusalem province uh that is now under babylonian rule and not only that but ebed melech which is uh once again his name means servant of the king uh, is spared as well, right? He's spared because he was faithful to the prophet. Uh, and, and and so he gets spared along with Jeremiah and they're under Gedaliah in a promised land still, right? And so you see, uh, again, once again, those who are spared through judgment uh, uh, or spared through judgment is the fate of those that trust Yahweh, right? Those that trust Yahweh are spared through his judgment, right? And the text is super clear about that here. 40 comes, last chapter of this section. We're in the midst of this deep narrative, ton of details. Forty just continues to tell the story of what has taken place in the previous chapters. Uh, Nebu uh, Zeradan, right, who's um, a servant of Nebuchadnezzar, basically, listen, has better theology than all of the kings of, of Judah in this time and the people of Judah. It says this, the Lord your God decreed this disaster on this place and the Lord has fulfilled it. He has done just what he decreed because you people have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed him. This thing has happened. 
happen. This is so crazy. Essentially, he says, um, right, he says this like right before he lets Jeremiah go back and live under Gedaliah. Uh, and um, what he's saying is that, in other words, like, no, 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 y'all sinned. <laughs> like, y'all actually sinned, right? This is why this is taking place. And you see that once again, like the people of Judah. Like they were so blind to this reality. They, they, they couldn't come to grips with the reason that this uh, invasion is actually happening from our enemies is because of our sin uh, against uh, God, because of our sin against the Lord. Um, and so what the text is going to show once again, though, is that, uh, you know, Gedaliah is in the land and uh, it's like, yo, he's like, yo, we need to live uh, peacefully in this land as we can. We need to serve the king of Babylon. Um, and God has left a remnant of his people in the land. And we'll see what he can do. Right. And so you see uh, the Lord has this plan and he leaves a remnant of his people there to carry it out. But shortly after we learn of this cliffhanger, this guy, Johanahan, tells Gedaliah that the king of the Ammonites has sent Ishmael to kill him. So you see there's still opposition to the plan of God, even though Gedaliah didn't believe him. We will have to see how this part plays out next time. But we learn, nonetheless, that God always leaves a remnant. God always leaves a faithful few in every era of redemptive history, right, um, that he is going to use to bring about his purposes on the earth and i want you to be encouraged today right some of us are discouraged by the state of the church some of us are discouraged about where uh um the the, the state of christian christendom right in this present age and i want you to remember that there are a faithful few out there that the lord is going to use in this very generation even if you don't know them god does let's pray god we ask for your grace that we will remember the precious truths of your word and the way you're bringing about your kingdom on earth we pray that it will fuel our confidence today so that we would live faithfully before you and that we would turn everything that, that detracts us from our world.